The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, so this morning I'll be preaching from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. I'm not sure if it's going to be up on the screen. Very nice. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> uh, 2 Timothy 2, chapters 3 to 6. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the share of the crops. If someone got up here and started saying, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, you might think that it's the beginning of a joke. You know, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer all walk into a bar. I tried to think if there was actually a joke there that I could go with, but there really isn't. Uh, but what it is, uh, is an appeal from the Apostle Paul to his disciple Timothy, encouraging him to stay on course for the gospel. Timothy needs this encouragement because there seemed to be a decent amount of issues happening in Ephesus that required Paul to provide detailed instructions for Timothy while he was looking after the church in Paul's absence. In this passage, Paul makes use of illustrations to help explain to Timothy what it requires to be a follower of Christ. We have the soldier, the athlete, and farmer. But before Paul goes on to explain this, he tells Timothy to share in suffering. For Paul, to be a Christian is to suffer as a Christian. And when we look at each illustration, it is easy to see how. Paul uses a soldier to explain his first point. And this is that we must seek the things of God and not the things of this world. We can see this in verse 4 where it says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. This illustration of the soldier highlights for us the need as Christians to do what is pleasing to God rather than chasing worldly pursuits. We must do what God wants without worrying if it makes us look uncool, unpopular, or even weird to the people in our lives. Unlike most people in today's society, Christians shouldn't seek fame and fortune. We shouldn't look to become famous on TikTok or change our moral, political and religious beliefs 
just because we may feel pressure from friends, family or society. Rather, we should seek to please God and no longer seek after all these other things that the world tells us that we should want and desire. It's what Jesus was talking about when he said that we must deny ourselves if we want to follow him. This is easily represented by Paul in his use of a soldier to explain his point. Being a soldier in the Roman army was a lifelong career. It required a 20-year standard service period with an additional five years as a reservist. Many, though, went on and served for 30 or 40 years, making it their, lifelong, their life's work to fight in the Roman army. The military chain of command was extremely important, which also meant that following your commander's instructions was of the utmost importance for a soldier in the Roman army. The Roman legions were disciplined and did not worry about anything other than serving Rome and following the orders of their commanders. In order to be a good soldier, you did what was required of you and you didn't worry yourself about the mundane life of your typical Roman. You did not do anything to displease your commanding officer because they were not only responsible for your life when in battle, but were responsible for your punishment if you failed to do what was asked. If you pleased your commander, you would likely rise up the ranks of the Roman military. In fact, this is how Julius Caesar ended up becoming the leader of Rome by pleasing his general, Marcus Crassus, who was one of the richest and most powerful people in Rome at that time. So to be a good soldier, you had to be willing to put aside what you wanted to do and focus on doing what your commander asked of you. Just like the Roman soldiers of the time, we as Christians should also live our lives dedicated to the one who enlisted us, and that is God. Being a Christian requires a response from us to listen to God who has the ultimate authority and seek his will for our lives. We should desire to please God and follow his plans rather than trying to please other people or fulfill our own selfish desires. We see a perfect example of this when Jesus is praying to God in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to be arrested and crucified. Jesus, knowing full well what was coming, asked God three times, please take this cup from me. But each time Jesus says, but let your will be done, not mine. Jesus never strayed from following the will of God. Jesus knew the importance of pleasing the one who sent him because he knew it fulfilled a greater purpose. 
Denying his own will and following the will of God required Jesus to suffer. He did it willingly and with full knowledge of what that suffering would be. So, like Jesus, who is the perfect example of obedience to God, we too must forego our own desires so that we can follow God's will. This is when it results in our benefit and even when it results in us having to suffer. Paul then qualifies what he has just said in verse 4 by using the analogy of an athlete to describe what else we should remember. This is that we must live according to God's commands. We see this in verse 5 where it says, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. If we do not live according to the way Jesus has taught us and the way God has called us to live, we cannot expect to live with him in eternity. We cannot expect for God to present us with the crown of glory that we have been promised when Christ returns. Uh, if you let me finish, you'll hear where I go with that. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, we see this in James chapter 1, verse 12, where it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. For athletes to finish their race and receive the crown of victory, they must compete within the rules outlined by the event they are competing in. When an athlete runs a race, they cannot start before the pistol goes. They cannot run into the lanes of their opponents or competitors. They cannot start playing soccer and expect to win the 100-metre sprint. In fact, if they do any of those things, they get disqualified from the race. They do not finish, and they do not receive a winner's crown. An athlete can't cheat, they can't lie, they can't fake it. And even if they tried, in the end, they always get caught out. This is no different for us as Christians. We cannot profess to be a Christian and live a life that is in opposition to the rules and commands that God has given us. We may have convinced everyone else that we are competing according to the rules, but if we do not follow the rules, if we do not truly love God and follow Jesus, then like the athlete that cheats or lies, we too don't get the winner's crown. Because for us, the finish line is not convincing everyone else we are a Christian. It is on the day of judgment when we will be held to account for all we have done. And there is no fooling God. So then, what are the rules to live as a Christian? 
Now, I know when we start talking about rules and commandments, it can start, start to sound like it's a little, little legalistic. And we as Christians know that we are no longer bound by the law. We know that the majority of commandments and Levitical laws recorded in the Bible are no longer required for us today. For instance, the food laws, animal sacrifices and circumcision are no longer required in order to be accepted into the family of God. We often have this idea that the law was about what not to do. And we can sometimes continue this thinking in our lives as Christians today. While many of the laws are about what not to do, some are also about what we must do. Now, in total, there are 613 Levitical laws. Of these, 365 are what you should not do commandments, while 248 are what you shall do commandments. This means that if we are to believe in God and love him, it is not just about what we should not do, but what we have been called to do. Most importantly, we must believe Jesus is our Lord and Saviour and trust in his death and resurrection to save those who are sinful, which is us. When we make that commitment, we must no longer live a life that is for us, but instead live a life that is for God. The Gospel tells us that we have been justified by faith, that we are being sanctified each day through the Holy Spirit and that we are being conformed to the image of Christ more and more each day until he returns. So our lives should look more like Jesus every single day. And we can do this by knowing and loving God and being obedient to his message. When we do this, the what to do and the what not to do becomes an inward knowledge that leads our lives in a way that reflects the heart of Jesus. And like a soldier must share in suffering, so does an athlete who wants to compete and win the crown. To be an athlete, you must eat the right food, live the right way, and do everything you can do to make yourself a better athlete. If you've ever competed in a sport at a high level or known someone who has competed at a high level, you know it requires significant sacrifice and suffering. Professional athletes often have to sacrifice relationships, other interests, and often suffer through injury and intense training to compete at the highest level. But why would anyone do this? It doesn't sound particularly enticing, at least not to me. Well, we should do this because we get a share in the fruits of our labour. We can see this in verse 6 where it says, It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. 
For us as Christians, the hard-working Christian, or the one who lives a life pleasing to God through faith in Jesus and remains obedient, deserves to enjoy the first fruits of their labour. It is not the occasional Christian or the I attend church because that's enough type of Christian. It is not the I have done enough good things type of Christian or even the I have not really done anything that bad type of Christian. It is the hard-working farmer, the hard-working Christian that enjoys the first share of the crops. It requires something of us and something from us in order to be a Christian. To make this clear, I am not saying that we must do a certain amount of good things in order to be saved as a Christian or to maintain our salvation. But if we think that just by saying Jesus is Lord is all that it takes to make us saved, then we must realise that even the demons say Jesus is Lord. It is, not the way, it is not that we just say he is Lord that makes us saved, as these are just words. But it is because our lives reflect him as our Lord and Saviour. To be a farmer, we cannot just say we are farmers. We must actually do what a farmer does. The average farmer in the first century would farm wheat, livestock, fruits and vegetables, most of which would be used by the farmer and their family, while the excess, if there was any, would be sold to pay taxes and to buy other goods and services. Today, most farmers sell everything they produce and buy it back from the supermarket. But for most of history, a hard-working farmer would expect to keep from his, farmers, from his harvest what he requires to survive. Whereas a farmer who is lazy and does not work will not get the first share of his crops because he would have nothing to harvest. When we apply this to our lives, we can easily see that if we want to enjoy in the first share of our crops, it requires some hard work. Again, this is not about doing enough to maintain our salvation. But the more we value and tend to the crop or our faith in Jesus, the more we share in the wonderful life that God has promised us here on earth, and most importantly, the promise to share in eternal life with God in heaven. I know for me the greatest gift and reaping I have ever experienced in my life has come from studying God's word and the wonderful assurance and comfort that this brings to my life. I'm sure each of you have your own examples of how your faith has greatly enriched your lives and how you've enjoyed the benefits that have come from your faith and trust in Jesus. This could be through relationships you've been able to enjoy with other Christians. Having the knowledge that God will never leave you nor forsake you, even in the most troubling of times. It can come through knowing that there is meaning and purpose to the lives that we live, especially during turbulent and uncertainty times that we live in during, with COVID, 
the war in Ukraine, or even rising inflation and interest rates. But let us not forget what Paul has said at the beginning of his passage. Share in suffering. Just like the soldier and athlete must at times share in suffering, so does the hard-working farmer. Farmers suffer through droughts, floods and fires, all things that destroy crops and livestock. Farmers also have to endure long days at work and rarely ever get a day off. They don't get to go away on holidays and expect that the crops will plant themselves. They tend to it every day, from sunup to sundown. There is no such thing as a weekend. You could not be a farmer on just a Sunday and expect to have a good crop. You must tend to the farm every day. We too cannot just be Sunday Christians or Christians when it's convenient. We must do so every day. We must do so during droughts and every season that we may experience in our Christian life. Even when in the midst of suffering, we must continue in our faith because of that wonderful and amazing promise we receive in this passage. To receive the winner's crown, to share in the first fruits of our labour, to live in eternity with God. While it can be difficult and we may need to suffer, this promise we receive is what can get us through these difficult times and the suffering that we experience. But it is the very first word of the passage that offers another means of encouragement to us all. Share. Share in suffering. The suffering we experience is not something that we experience on our own. Jesus himself suffered. Paul and the apostles suffered. We as Christians experience suffering and we know that we have people in the church who share in suffering with us in these times. And after having shared together in suffering, we will also share in eternal life with God. Now I hope this encourages you the same way I'm sure it encouraged Timothy and the followers of Christ in Ephesus to continue serving God and not the desires of those who didn't believe. To be encouraged to stay obedient to the faith that they had and be encouraged to continue their hard work knowing they would receive the crown of life. So let us share in suffering in the suffering that we must endure as Christians by focusing on doing what pleases God, by living a life of obedience that reflects Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, so that we can be crowned in glory on that final day when Christ returns, where we get to enjoy the first fruits of the work that Jesus has called us to do.
Uh, please join with me in prayer. Jesus, we pray and thank you for the example you have given us on how to live a life that reflects not just what we know, but what we also believe to be true. You did not concern yourself with trivial matters, but you came here to earth to do the will of God and to announce the coming of God's kingdom. You did what we all strive, but fail to achieve. That is, to live a life according to the word of God. You lived in complete obedience to God the Father, and you did this because we couldn't. You did not just say that you loved us, but you showed us you loved us when you came down and died for us. I hope that we can all allow that to sink in a little, that you... God the Son, the creator of heaven and earth, became flesh and bones. You served us when it is us who should serve you. You died for us who deserve to be dead in sin. And you've offered us the wonderful and immeasurable gift of grace. But you did not stop there. You've also given us your spirit, the Holy Spirit. And you have allowed the Holy Spirit to dwell inside each and every one of us who profess you as Christ. I pray that we can allow your spirit to guide us, rebuke us, and conform us to become more like you each and every day. Let us share in the wonderful gift of eternal life that you have promised us when you return. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.